Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring the Score podcast, the podcast where we offer our opinions on film scores and the films they're inspired by. I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Let's get started. Welcome to Measuring the Score. I'm Chris Lott. And I'm Leslie Lott. Today we're going to be talking about Jaws. Now, before we actually get into this, uh, since this is our first episode, how about we talk about a little bit about the podcast and uh, what we hope to do with the rest of it and kind of who we are. Um, Leslie, you want to start that? Absolutely. So I'm married to wonderful Chris Lott, as you just heard his beautiful voice. And uh, we've been married uh, for over five years. We've been together for over eight. And uh, Chris and I uh, met um, a long time ago, and we discovered then that we had both had a passion for music and music scores. Uh, my background, uh, I, it's all over the place. But uh, I am a geologist, but uh, I, I do play the flute. I play the flute, the oboe, and the saxophone. Um, I haven't played in, in some time, but um, I used to be an outstanding flute player and uh, almost uh, went to school for that, but instead I, I chose uh, geology. So um, I do have a musical background. All right. Well, yeah, and she's being very modest. She is very good. Uh, <laughs> so since she is a classically trained musician, I am not. I, But I am a film composer. I've been doing this for uh, 17 years now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's a while. <laughs> um, it, I got my first job back in 2003. It was a Halloween fan film. And I, I've always been a huge fan of of film music and uh one of the first soundtracks i ever bought was the soundtrack to hard rain by christopher young (laughs) i I mean i I love that score that is one of my all-time favorite scores aside from what we're about to talk about i think my favorite my first score that i ever bought was actually the patriots really that's uh, that's also john williams i love the patriot it was such a, a great score and uh then right after that i bought the mummy uh, the Jerry Goldsmith one? Yes. Ah, nice, nice, nice. Okay, so um, also this podcast, the way we're going to do this, now clearly we're not experts. I mean, so with this podcast, we're just offering our opinion. And we're not going to critique the score itself. Uh, that's been done by so many critics, and that's not why we're here. We're not here to critique uh, the score. We're here to actually compare the score to the movie to see uh, if it actually works, or if it doesn't work, or you know what we might suggest that we feel like would work better. Again, our opinion. This is all this is. This is just our opinion, all for entertainment. Um, also... Once we, we're going to talk about the score itself, kind of, you know, I guess judge it a little bit on how it works just as a listening format. And then we're going to talk about the film, um, how it works for the film based on three different criterias. Um, the first criteria that we're going to look at is if the score actually works for the film. 
Um, you know, it's Chris and I often talk about it when we watch movies, how some scores really work and how some scores actually make the, the movie more horrible than it already is. So uh, we feel like that would be, you know, the cornerstone of um, our review is if whether or not what we're hearing is actually working for the film itself. And the second criteria will be some of the best parts of the film with the score. Like, you know, basically like the best scene with the best music and everything else. Our favorite piece, maybe. Right. And then the third criteria is what could have been done better, if anything, really. Could the score have been better? You know, should there have been more score, less score? That type of thing. So how about we get started? You ready? Fantastic. Let's do this. Okay, so now we're going to be talking about Jaws based on just the score alone. But I'm going to give a, like a brief history on the film itself. Jaws is a 1975 American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg and based on Peter Benchley's novel that was released in 1974. Now, Jaws basically started the trend of summer blockbuster Nobody had any idea that this film was going to do the massive success that it did. I remember my parents talking about watching it in a theater when they were dating. It might have been even before they got married and how um, it actually made them afraid to go to the beach. They saw it on the big screen and they're like, oh, yeah. She's like, for the longest time, mama would say, I, I don't want to go into the water. I mean, it did its job. It it. You know, it was a thriller. It scared uh, the audience quite yeah, well. Tons of people. I, 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 to this day, I still hear reports of how Jaws scared people into going into the water. And, and it did. It frightened so many people when it came out. And that was largely due to John Williams' theme and the score itself. Um, now, when Spielberg came in to talk to John Williams about the score, he sat down, he played the two you know, very famous themes now, doo-doo, doo-doo. Spielberg thought it was a joke. Uh, he he literally thought he was just joking around because apparently John Williams was known for a lot of impractical jokes or just jo- joking around with Spielberg. And I can't imagine John Williams being a jokester, but, you know, it, uh, to each their own. And I think it, it's very humorous, you know, the fact that uh, he would play jokes on people. Right. And and so Spielberg, you know, initially thought, okay, you know, okay, this is a joke. But John was like, no, 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 just just hear me out for just a moment. I mean, he he sat there and was just like, so he started playing it, started playing it, started playing, it, and he just kind of kept going, kept going, kept, kept going. And the more he played, the more Spielberg was like, okay, I see where you're going with this. Okay, you know, this is this is great. And and then it got to the point where John Williams told Spielberg, he said, this is a pirate movie. This this is you know yeah there was a killer shark on the on you know but it it's more adventure it's more piratey you know he's it needs a pirate theme so he started playing the pirate theme for Spielberg right then and there and you know that that's what kind of gave the score you know this this you know uh, fantasy or adventure and it does and when we get to the score uh, portion of the segment we will talk in depth about that but um there is this this whimsical kind of elements especially when you see them on the on the vessel or you know uh on the quest to go kill the shark and uh that was one of the first thoughts that ran through my mind it's been a long time since i've seen jaws so this was kind of um 
kind of a, a refresher for me. But yeah, it was it was really very whimsical. Reminded me almost Goonies like uh, when you see them on the, on the boat or when they're tying knots yeah, or they're doing yeah. all that adventure stuff. And that's crazy because Goonies like came out like years years later. And and you know, but a lot of the success is due to just two little notes that John Williams created. And Spielberg himself even says, I think the score was clearly responsible for half of the success of that film. And I, oh, I would agree with that. I would, you know, cause I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk, you know, we'll, we'll get to that later. <laughs> so for the score itself, we listened to it for, you know, over a period of several days and we, there were several different, uh, albums available on Spotify, but the one we listened to, it was uh, released in 2000, I believe, from Decca Records. And it, it was a longer, expanded version of what was originally released. Now, there was another album that was available that was uh, released by Joel McNeely. It's basically a, re- a reorchestration of the score. And now there's subtle differences here and there, but it was basically the same score with just more updated instruments than what was available in 1974 or 75. So the one thing I can say from the very start of the score, there there is a huge sense of dread throughout. And, you know, he, he uses iconic two notes as a theme song for the protagonist. And typically... Right from I, the start. Right too. from the start. Even in the movie, we'll get to that, um, he used... That theme just popped up, you know, immediately. Uh, so you got that feeling that that, uh, that piece of the score was associated with the protagonist. But um, when I listen to any type of music... Uh, be it classical music or musical scores, I like to try to visualize what's going on, uh, you know, in that particular scene. And uh, it was very easily done in Jaws. Granted, you know, I've watched a movie beforehand, you know, listening to score years ago. But to me, it was easy, uh, especially when you start hearing that that deep... uh, you know, voices that he used uh, to symbolize the shark moving through the water. But he put it together in such a way where it wasn't dragging. It didn't slow down. You actually can, you could sense and sense the motion of of the shark in the piece, uh, especially at the beginning. It was just, to me, it kind of masterfully done. Well, it it gives you a sense of, Hey, something's wrong. There, there's you know clearly there's terror in this water, and and I, I it was the best way to give you know the the villain of the film, you know essentially the main character of the film. I mean, because I mean the film is called Jaws, and that's who we're following. We're following the shark, and it was it was a beautiful and well done theme for the villain. I mean, because there's a lot of times. You know, which we'll talk about that later. There's a lot of times you don't see the shark, so the music is what, you know, kind of gives you the sense of, hey, there's something wrong. There, there's something coming. There's some. There's terror. There's dread. There's death. Fixing your approach. John Williams is a master of creating these themes for these movies that are very iconic. Because you know, let's talk outside of Jaws just for a brief moment. You've got Indiana Jones. As soon as you hear uh, the theme song Indiana Jones, you know. That's Indiana Jones. Right. Or even for Star Wars, you hear that opening credits for the Star Wars, you know 
That is Star Wars. So you hear you have a, a, a masterful uh, uh, composer that is so uh, excellent at creating memorable uh memorable pieces to these you know iconic characters and Jaws is one of them I mean I remember marching in high school and uh it it was uh Baker Band Hits the Beach was our theme song or our theme rather and Jaws was part of that of that program and so you know I I remember marching to Jaws on the football field, and it makes sense. I mean, because uh, a lot of John Williams' score, uh, you know, scores have this march, this parade, this you know, and for you know Indiana Jones, it is you know uh, the Raiders' march, Raiders of the Lost, yeah, and the, it's the Raiders' march. So and so that makes sense, and, and that was one of the things about this score that you know, right from the very beginning, you you like I said, you hear dread. But, you know, he did such a well job, uh, you know, as I said before, because anytime you start using those lower registers, it can drag any piece down, drag the the song down. But he didn't. He put it together in such a way that it, it, it had movement and you can actually hear the movement as the shark moves away or as a shark, you know, gets closer. You can actually feel that in the piece. But he also balanced it. Uh, with those whimsical part, as we were talking about before, there was a nice balance there. And um, uh, the transitions were not bad at all. The transitions were great from this ominous, you know, deep voices to these little light, airy, sweet pieces that he would have in there. Right. And, and you're, you're talking about the lower register uh, parts. Uh, case in, you know, case in fact of this uh, one track right here, the Peer Incident, it has this, you know, big movements, you know, the, the lower, the lower notes, but they're, they're very prominent, very known right then and there. And then it kind of starts kind of drifting off, but it never goes away. It's still there. It's, you know, dum, dum, bum, 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 bum. it's just barely, 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 you know, barely there. And it keeps going, keeps going. And then all of a sudden it, it just comes back, you know, huge. It's like, bum, 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 bum. I mean, just like right there in your face. And it's like something is coming. The shark is coming after you and you can hear it with the music. And, you know, it's that balance of the tempos and the tones and his tonality that is just amazing. Right. That, um, I mean, you can feel it. You can feel the piece. Um, you know, in my opinion, uh, you could tell the protagonist is this big, heavy, lofty shark in, in the water easily just right. by even listening to the whole score. And I, I thought it was amazing. Right. I enjoyed it. Now, there's another piece, uh, Ben Gardner's Boat, and it, it starts off, it doesn't start off horror. It, it's more of a fantasy element. You know, it's got these nice sounding harp with light, you know, strings kind of coming in, kind of just, you know, a very fantasy, whimsical element and then there's just one one part it just just one little hit and it starts going dark you know right then and there it's like something's wrong what's what's fixing to happen is the shark fixing to come out you know is it are we fixing to hear that dun, 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 dun. but you never do it's just you know you get to that point where you're listening to it you're just like when's the when's the theme going to happen when you know when's it going to hit and then it gets hit with this higher registering strings and then it's kind of like a big scare moment, and you can hear that, and it's like, and the music just starts. Then you slowly hear it. 
And see, it's not forceful. It's like the shark was already there. It's, it's and it's letting you know with the music. It was already it's already done its business. It's gone. And I thought that was great to do that with the music. I mean, it was brilliant. It really was. It was awesome. Um, now another another track was the montage. Um, this is for when the uh, townspeople are coming to Amity Island and everything else. Watching this scene, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, but hearing this music, I was like, okay. it did kind of seem out of place because you hear you have you know you hear this these heavy voices, and then you you hear um, this light whimsical uh, piece that you I mean you could pretty much guess that something was going on maybe vessel wise or adventure like you know and then you have that piece and you're like <laughs> this is really out of place this is and, and again, right. it goes back to the the marching element that we were talking about that john williams is really you know known for but it, it's it sounds almost regal in parts yeah it did and um we'll, we'll get to that when we watch the movie but uh I noticed that it almost had this kind of royal royalty feeling to it. And uh, to me, it's still, it was just... You know what it made me think of? Listening to like a couple like the couple of the horn elements and stuff. It made me think of um, English, like a, like a London. Like an English it, court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It made me think of London a little English bit. I was just like, I was listening it's to it. It's funny because like, isn't it supposed to be like New Jersey? No, no, it's New York. Oh, New York. It, yeah, it's taking place in New York. <laughs> I thought I was so like, it's like as far away as you can get <laughs> right. from England. And that's why I was kind of like, okay, you know, this is a little different. But it it, it sounded great. I mean, I, I still was like listening to it, kind of bobbing my head. I'm like, you know, like, okay, this this works. And I love the way it ends. I mean, it's just like, it gets really, really high. And like, and then it just like, that's it. We're done. We're done here. We're done here. No more. Yeah, no more. We're done. Um Another another piece that I, I put down on my notes um, was the father and son piece. Now, the way this piece started off, it's almost like you can feel the weight of the character through the music. I mean, you can just feel the, the um, I guess you could say Emotion. despair. Yeah, the tranquility, the despair. There, there's a lot going on, and, and you can feel the weight on this guy's shoulder. And, you know, and that is a sign of a masterful composer to be able to capture feeling and music. And I know since you're a composer, oftentimes when your clients come and ask you to write a piece of music and they can't really convey what's in their mind and you're like, yeah, I need to know, dude, what you're thinking about. (laughs) I can't, you know, you can you sing it to me? I need to have some idea, (laughs) you know, what you want in this piece. And it's hard for them to even to convey it in words, but for them to convey it in music, it's just, it's something special. That tells you right there. John's John Williams knows what he's doing. (laughs) He does. He's a master. We're not, we're not disputing that. No, but it was, it was the way the transition he had for this film, uh, for this score piece, sorry, where, where you could feel the weight of the, the guy, you know, the, the weight of everything, you know, what's going on. Um, you can feel, you can hear that through the music and he, it was just, it was so well done. And then the nice transition that there was, you know, that was there. It goes from the, the weight of the guy, you know, weight of everything on the guy's shoulders to this, very light piano and and it's very playful it's very nice but it's still there's a hint of sadness in there and yet you can tell that that piece was dedicated to the son 
right. and the, the you know the innocence of a child. Um, I agree. It was really well balanced um, and masterfully done, as the rest of the score. And, and then you know later in the score, that's when the uh, the bigger the bigger action pieces start to happen. There, there's this, you know, you, you've got the, you know, the shark theme. Dum, 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 dum. And then this, um, I want to say, an adventure theme comes into play. And I thought that was great. It, you know, it, it's, it's very big. It's very in your face. But at the same time, it's not dread. It's not terror. Like the shark, you've get, you get a sense of heroism through, with this new theme that's introduced later on. And I, I thought it was it was brilliant, and the transition to that in some of the score pieces later on, where you got the the shark theme blending in with the adventure pirate theme, it 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 was just almost seamless. It really was. It was like you you go from uh, dread and terror to very lighthearted, whimsical to heroic a- action adventure back to the dread and terror but if you think about it you know when you you start to listen to all these little elements it's really reflective of how people are in general we are complex characters and uh so i mean you're you're talking about a shark movie where you have fear you have happiness you have you know suspense and he was able to capture all of that in his music right and like you just said it's a shark movie you never would have thought to hear this type of music for a shark movie. So now we're going to move on to the segment where we've watched the film and we've sat there and, you know, kind of looked at different things. And that's when we kind of judge it on three different criterias. Um, Which we've met, we, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. But our first criteria we're going to look at is, does the score actually work for the movie? Oh, definitely. And, you know, <laughs> even, gonna... even Spielberg himself even said, you know, the success of this movie would not have worked without the music. And, you know, I, I totally agree. And we're not going to um, critique, uh, critique uh, you know, John Williams score because that's been done and he's won awards for it. And Well, yeah, I mean, because he won an Academy Award for this yes. film and it was his second, uh, you know, win when he when he won this. And he, he, he himself has even accredited that, you know, Jaws kind of jump started his career. and. It really did, because after Jaws, I mean, he went on to, you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and then continued to work with Spielberg. Superman. 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 That was another one. And it now, listening to the score while watching the film, you can see. It gives it a different element. It really does. I And to be honest with you, I really do not think I could ever see this film with a different score. I, yeah, you know, I, it's funny that you said that because I sat there and tried to visualize that during the movie. I was like, okay, now what if we put a different score in with this movie? Would it be successful? And I don't think it would be as successful. Granted, I mean, Jaws was a great movie. It's iconic. Uh, some of the lines are kind of hokey in it, you know, but I think that's, that's just, just her a, opinion. I don't, I, I don't agree with it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a sign of its time, but I, I I honestly feel that the score itself escalated the movie to a whole new level in a in a good way. It it didn't take from the movie. I think it nicely added to the movie. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, the it starts immediately with that theme song, and you could and that theme, you know, for the protagonist, which is the shark, carried throughout the whole movie. So anytime you saw a scene with the shark in it 
or a scene where the shark is coming or where it's going. You see, you say that. That's really interesting because there's this one scene. It's um, uh, supposedly the whole town thinks, you know, they that they've caught the shark and everything else when it's it's not, in fact, the shark that was uh, killing everybody, which we know that because the film's still going. Uh, but it is affecting like a, it's just a tiger shark, and um, so Brody and all the other people, they've um, they're they're trying to they got like shark spotters. They're trying to find the shark, and you see this shark fin start bobbing through the water after the people, and you know, and it scares the entire town. So they run back on the beach, and you know, he's got this iconic shot of the mayor standing there. Everybody's running out of the water back onto the beach, and everything else. There's no music. There's no music for this part. But then. Then, you know, you see this woman often, you know, she's like, shark, you know, shark, yelling, you know, there's a shark. Then the music comes back. So for the fake shark, there is no music. And that should be kind of a clear signal to the audience right then and there. Hey, this ain't the real shark. It's it's a fake shark, you know. And, and then when you get to the pond, the music starts up. That's when it's, you know, the clear and signal. And it was really part. effectively placed in the movie. So whoever the sound designer was uh, at the time, I mean, he, he took you know, this masterpiece that Williams uh, created and he was able to put it in the movie in such a way that it just, I mean, it amplified uh, the movie tenfold, in my opinion. And then, uh, you know, one of the things that stuck out for me was there's absence of soundtrack. Granted, you nowadays when you listen to a score or you see a movie, it's got an associated soundtrack with it or music or whatnot. But to me, uh, it stuck out. There, there, was, there was a lot of moments in this film where there was no score. There was no score and no soundtrack. And I think it, it, it stuck out to me because uh, it was a nice balance between the score and no music. Because uh, the, the pieces in the movie that didn't have any music, it amplified the feeling. Right. It didn't take away from the scene. It did its job. And it was a nice balance there. You could hear the dialogue. You could actually, you know, even sense what the characters are feeling. Um, it was just, to me, kind of, it was masterfully done, well-balanced. Um, but it did. It did stick out, the fact that there was no soundtrack, no background uh, songs, you know, because they have songs all throughout right. uh, movies these days. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not really too sure if that was like, you know, maybe it was the, the, the time period. Uh, I guess they were doing it a lot back then. I'm, I'm not too sure. Cause well, in the old movies, they didn't really have... Uh, they didn't have a score. I mean, a soundtrack, rather. So, uh, especially, like, if you had Gone with the Wind, I think part of that was played in front of a live orchestra. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, we will talk about that in, you know, a later episode, the the history of scores and soundtracks in, in movies. But um, I just think that, it to me, it just stuck out because of... Um, how it uh, amplified the scene, especially the scene like where uh, uh, Quint he's telling the story of USS Indianapolis, uh, which fun fact uh, there's a USS Indianapolis movie with Nicolas Cage that I was a background actor in. Um, oh yeah, you could see him too, man. He's <laughs> up front. He's like, oh, there's Chris. <laughs> Several scenes. He Several came scenes. home with a crew cut. I told him before he even got on set that it, this is a time period piece that they'll probably cut his hair. He's like, I don't know about that. And he came home with a crew cut. So <laughs> I, I told him so. And he looked so funny. 
so so that that tells you right there how, how much you know how how much of a fondness I have for Jaws because you know uh, uh, that's how I found out about the story of the USS Indianapolis was by watching Jaws, and and I never really paid attention to the score for that scene. It, it, it's not. It's not the typical reminiscent music, you know, like all oh, the characters reminiscing about his past. No, no, no. There's terror. Nothing, but there's nothing. It's... No, it starts off with nothing. Then, then if you listen, if you listen very closely, I mean, because it was barely noticeable. Very soft. But the the score that is there, it's very horror driven because the story that Quint is telling is horrible. It's a horrific story. And I mean, and it, and more horrific that it was true, but it was the way Quint was telling the story. You, you can tell there was true horror by what behind what he was saying. Now, I actually know that uh, Robert Shaw rewrote a lot of that dialogue. He he went back and rewrote it himself. He just sat down right there on the boat of the Orca and rewrote the, the lines and then handed it to Spielberg and said, here, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I thought that was great. Um, but that right there, there, there was no... Um, you know, Jaws, you know, dum, 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 dum. It was just, it was, it was very creepy sounding almost. It, you know, especially if you listen to the score itself for that, for that piece. It was crazy. It really, it really was. You know, and especially to hear that it was John Williams that made that. Well, you know, what I really liked is the fact that, A, they touched upon the USS Indianapolis, which um, was horrible. I mean, it was a horrible event in history, and you did have a lot of people that uh, died because you had this massive shark attack. But they also touched upon uh, the shark attack that happened in 1916 and um, off the, the shore there. Now, I believe this was, that was the uh, basis of the, the novel. Yes, it happened off the New Jersey shore. Um, four people were killed during that uh, incident. Uh, uh, also, a 10-year-old boy was killed uh, when that happened. And um, But they touched upon it uh, sometime in the movie when they were on the beach, and they were telling the story about um, uh, New Jersey shore being attacked. Uh, right, when they were trying attack. to convince Mayor Vaughn to, hey, you need to shut the beach down because, you know, there, there was another incident like this, you know, in, in I think he said 61. Is that what it was? Yeah, there's only two incidences in, uh, I think, recorded history of sharks attacking massive amounts of people at one time instead of, you know, picking individual people off. Right. You know, I don't want to sound horrific, but um, <laughs> that's how it was. Well, I mean, that's, I mean and, and, you know, the, the line in the movie where, you know, it's basically a perfect, you know, killing machine. It just eats swims and makes little sharks and and that's true that's all this thing really that's all they really do and and again you know that's what john williams conveyed with the music he conveyed that sense of nightmare he did and he did a great job and um you know i was thoroughly pleased uh with the score and pleased how they placed it into the movie so you know to answer that first question is whether or not it uh it works for the movie. In my opinion, it does. It works for the movie. Now we're going to move on to our second criteria, which is some of the best parts of the film with the score. To me, it's the pier incident. I I, I love that score piece, and I love that scene. I, there, there was times watching it on uh, VHS. Shows you how old I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I would sit there and just rewind this one scene because it was uh, the two idiots on the pier with the holiday ham. Uh, no roast. It was Sorry. a roast. Sorry, it was holiday. Their wife's roast. Sorry, the holiday roast. <laughs> big fan, roast. a big fan of this movie, and I screw that up. Sorry, holiday roast, and uh, so yeah, yeah, and uh, they they 
you know, take a big metal hook and throw it, you know, through the ropes and throw it in the water. And they just tie a chain to the pier. And then, you know, they, I think they have a, a hook to a tire. Yeah, yeah, they're using a tire. Yeah, instead of, a, you know, when you go fishing, you have a, a bob on your line. Yeah, no, was, they had it, a tire for their bob. Tire. So, yeah, so, you know, the, the ropes is dangling in the water and, and the tire is the floaty. And so, and then the shark takes it and that's when the, the music kicks in. You know, dum, 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 dum. And you've got this really tense moment. And all you see is the pier drifting off in the, into the water because, you know, the shark has, has got the chain and the chain's wrapped around the pier. So you see these, like, two, two pier poles you know, kind of like bobbing out of the water, going to drift away. And the music kind of drifting slowly, slowly, slowly and dying out. But it never goes away. It never stops. Also, the pier turns. And that's when the music just gets right in your face. And the guy's trying to get out of the water. And, you know, I was like, the music for right there, I was just, I would just sit there and rewind it just to hear that one part again where the music would just get right back in your face again. Yeah, you know, it. W- I agree with you. It was a good piece and good part but you know i secretly laughed when i saw the pier come back to him <laughs> and to me it was just very very funny and i i felt really bad doing so but you know he's trying to get out of the water and here comes his pier and it's coming back <laughs> oh, to no, him i know it just but you know th- they did a good job because they did not show the shark and if i remember correctly they did that on purpose uh, when they made the movie, because they felt like if they showed the shark, it would take away that element of that scare tactic that they were trying to go for. Not only that, the shark didn't work half the time. <laughs> I mean, and that is true that in the behind the scenes, you know, uh, Spielberg, and I mean, Bruce the shark did not work half the 90% of the time. The shark never worked. They would, they would go on radio and say, there goes, Oh, the shark's working. The shark's working. I repeat the shark is working. Let's, let's shoot, shoot, shoot. And, and there was one scene like later in the film where the, the, the boat even sank. And, um, <laughs> uh, the sound, <laughs> the sound guy, <laughs> Spielberg said he'd never forget where the sound guy is like holding the dat recorder out of the water. Screw the actors, save the sound. And I mean, <laughs> oh, I think I remember watching that in the commentary one time. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. So, what was uh, what was your your best part of the film? With the you know, I'm gonna have to say my best favorite part. You know, I, there's several that I really liked, especially like uh, anytime they were like on a mission to go kill the shark or tie knots. You know, that whimsical type of music that we were talking about at the beginning, I thought was wonderfully done. But I think my favorite part was when they killed the shark when he finally died, and all of a sudden that ominous theme switched. And it switched to almost this harpy type of heavenly music. And, you know, you knew that. Something like that. Yeah. You, so you knew that, you know, that was resolved at that point. And I think it was a, a really, uh, really well done uh, showing that, okay, the shark is really dead now because the, the music stopped. The terror is gone. That's right. Okay. Now we're going to move on to our third criteria is what could have been done better? Nothing. Uh, to me, nothing. I, I, I'm not going to uh, try to make up stuff that uh, no. could be I done mean, better. We, we, we've talked about this. It's, it's in record books now. I mean, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating on that point. It is in record books. Um, because, like I said, this film started the summer blockbuster. This is, what, this is the quintessential summer blockbuster film. This is what started it right here. I mean, people were coming in droves because of this movie. So... Nothing, nothing could have been done better. I mean, and this is this is just my own personal, you know, opinion on stuff. Like um, a couple of the parts with the xylophone or something, you know, and you hear it in the score, like, 
I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, I've, but nev- that's I've never been a big Williams. fan. Of it. I, I well, it's not John really just, Williams really likes those runs and those little. No, the, the flute runs are fun. I'm talking about the xylophone runs. I was not a big fan of the xylophone runs. I think if he'd had the flute runs, maybe he just hadn't gotten to that point yet in his scoring. You oh, know, his the, talent, right? Uh, yeah, and he was trying something different. I mean, because he really put himself out there for this score. Um. It's just whenever I've heard the xylophone runs or whatever in, in a score, uh, I'm just like, eh, I could have missed something. <laughs> You're like, eh, I don't know about well, this. Especially with Jaws, it's such a serious moment. It's yeah, such a serious story, it was a serious, serious film. story, but there were some. Hokey moments where you're like, why are they adding humor See, I, I, here? Again, this is where we we disagree on stuff because <laughs> the dialogue was perfect. I don't know. I don't, what, I don't know what she's so. talking about. <laughs> I don't know what she's talking about. I don't think so. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dialogue was perfect. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you believe what you want to believe. All right. So you know, we we both agree. You know, what could have done but been done better? Nothing. Truthfully, the score was a masterpiece, and it it. It, it, it will it, stand the test of time. It you know, will. Years from now, you can play those keys at the very beginning of Jaws, and anybody who who loves film or has seen the movie will know that that is from Jaws. That exactly. will never change. No, no. And, and there, there's a lot of times, like now, I'll listen to a modern score and I'll hear, you know, somebody do something, um, and you you hear those notes, and I'm like, that's Jaws. That's the Jaws theme. Well, you know, I read uh, where they were talking about those that key and that element and um, how it is a primary method. So, you know, it's very symbolic of a person breathing, for example, in and out, in and out. And um, they felt like, you know, that is one of the reasons why it was so successful that it, because that is suspenseful it, it does build suspense and then he built upon that and made the score so right um it it was it was well done it was it was it was really well done i could not it, like we, we said this before i could not watch this film without that score yeah i i tried to visualize another score in there it just did not happen i'm like yeah no and and being a composer myself i would sit there and try to think of okay how would I score this differently? And I can't. I cannot picture this film without John Williams' music. So does it work for the, you know, does it work for the film? Yes. You know, we mentioned our best parts. What could have been done better? Nothing. This film, this score is a masterpiece. And I agree. So thank you guys so much for listening. This is our, like I said, our very first episode. Um, we will be doing more and everything else. If you want to, you can catch us on our social medias. Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can catch us measuring the score um, at measuring the score. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, and you can also send us an email. If you've got a score that you want us to talk about, a film you want us to talk about, send us an email, measuring the score at gmail.com. Uh, Leslie, you got any closing thoughts or anything? No closing thoughts. Um, I do want to add that uh, periodically throughout um, our seasons that we'll be putting out, we will do a showcase for composers. So it won't be music-based, but it will be a showcase on a particular composer. So uh, we'll talk about the history of their music, how their music maybe has evolved over time. Um, There'll be kind of like historic, you know, exciting historic pieces uh, intermingled with, uh, you know, what we do. Exactly. So for Measuring the Score, I'm Chris. And I'm Leslie. Thank you for listening.